welcome to Get Lean with Plants. I'm your host, Chelsea Cullen. No, actually, okay. I mean, I'm probably going to cut that out, but yep, I'm the girl with the kind of weird Kiwi nasally voice. Yes, that's me. And this is attempt number 550 because, guys, I don't know how, but I listen to podcasts and I don't hear motorbikes in the background, but I live in a really noisy street and being able to record, plus, plus I've got kids, okay? So being able to record and they're not being massive background noise, it's been a challenge. So here we go. This podcast is for mums, mums who are vegan, plant-based, and you're feeling fat, okay? You're feeling a bit too overweight, you don't like the way your body is, you feel like there is more potential there that you can, you want to get lean, you want to feel fit, you want to feel sexy, you want to feel confident again, you want to fit into your pre-pregnancy genes, or if you've never fit into skinny jeans, like, yeah, do that for the first time in your life. And if you thought that going plant-based and going vegan would get you there automatically, and now you're like, why, why, why didn't it happen? This podcast is for you because, girl, that was me. For so many years, I was the struggling vegan who was doing raw challenges and juice fasts and... Ugh, like all the things to try and help me lose weight and it was just a mystery to me because I'd see these vegan influences and they all looked like I don't know bikini models and they had six kids and abs and then they're eating like 20 banana smoothies and here I am I look like I eat McDonald's and I'm meant to be the healthy vegan among my friends so yeah I, I get that pain and this, we're going to dive into all of the science around how to lose weight on a plant-based diet. And it really isn't that, that complicated. It comes down to being in a calorie deficit and maintaining that long-term. And if you want to know how to do that and exactly what a calorie deficit is, that's the first place to start. You can check out the first episode of this podcast to learn more about a calorie deficit. So today we're going to be looking at why focusing on fast results will stop you getting the goal, getting to the goal and what you should be doing instead. And man, I know what it's like when you need to lose like 20, 30 pounds or let's say 20 kilos and every single freaking time you look in the mirror, you are reminded that you're living in a body that doesn't feel like you. You feel trapped in yourself and your confidence is at an all-time low. You just feel like a fraud when you're, like for me anyway, I just felt like a bit of a fraud because here I am vegan and I'm 20 kilos heavier than like my ideal weight. And that pain is so intense and so like stressful that you want urgent, fast results. And maybe you've even Googled like how to lose weight or how to lose X amount of weight in a month because you know that you just want it now. And I think that's really normal because the motivation level, the pain is so high 
But if you are not developing and focusing on the kind of habits that are going to be able to help you maintain your goal and reach your goal long term, then there isn't really much point in even trying. Because if you think about it in terms of like a wedding, right? Imagine you go through all this effort, like you're planning out your wedding. Man, I'm happy I don't have to do that again. And like you're picking out the dress and the flowers and the location and it causes all the strain on your relationship and it's, yeah, there's good moments. But imagine if you did all of that for one day, right? You have your wedding day and then you're like, okay, new husband, see ya. I'm going to go do my honeymoon on my own. No, right? Like you're building up to something that is hopefully the rest of your life. I mean, that's the commitment that I made anyway. Like, this is for life. So the wedding was the catalyst to that. It wasn't, it wasn't the main event. So if you're trying to get to this goal, you really got to be thinking, how do I build these habits that this is for life? Because if I get here and I've, the way I've gotten here is unsustainable, then sustaining that goal is going to be impossible. The other really interesting thing about weight loss is the amount of calories that you need actually decreases over time. So if you think of it like a like a car, if you're, say, 170 pounds now, or let's say 80 kilos, so if you hit your goal weight, let's say, look, this is all hypothetical, okay? So let's say that's 130 pounds. Let's say that's 60 kilos. There's a big possibility that the amount of calories that you need to maintain that new weight is the same number that you need to be in a deficit at 170 pounds, maybe even less. So what I, what I mean by that is like if you think about the car analogy, a big car needs more fuel. So as you lose weight you need less calories. And that sucks. So if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to do this diet. I'm going to be, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to eat kale salad every freaking day until I reach this goal. And then I'm going to go back to being a bit more relaxed and I'm going to eat a few more calories. I'm sorry to break it to you, but if you need to lose 20, 30 pounds, your maintenance calories are going to be lower most likely than what you need to eat to lose weight now. So you have to be, you have to have those habits in place. You have to have created a lifestyle that you can maintain. Otherwise, you will not maintain your weight loss because you're a smaller person now. You need less fuel. You can't go back to eating the way that you can. You did. Like, I wish it worked that way, but it, it just doesn't. So that is why it's so vital to focus all your effort and time into building these lifestyle changes that get you into a long-term calorie deficit. And that these things are the kind of habits and the kind of lifestyle changes that you can implement for life. And that doesn't mean that you are never going to be able to have more freedom or that it's not a bad thing to do some kind of challenge. I, I actually think that doing a challenge is a really good place to start because it teaches you that you can actually say no, that you can actually stick to something. And 
I think that you can get to a point where you understand enough about that weight loss process that you can be a little bit more flexible. But the main thing to remember is, are the habits that you are developing, are they moving you towards more sustainability? Habits that are going to help you in like staying in a consistent calorie deficit? Or are they going to be habits that don't help you reach that? An example of that would be someone doing keto. If you are adding even vegan keto, a lot more fat into your diet, fat is automatically higher in calories than carbs and protein. It's nine grams of calories, uh, nine calories per gram of fat compared to four for carbohydrates and protein. So if you've gotten into a habit of adding a lot more fat into your diet, that's actually something that is going to be really hard to scale back on long term, which if you add more food in again, you're going to need to do. I mean, number one, keto just sucks, right? There's not science to support it. You burn more fat because you are eating more fat and you can lose more weight going on a low fat diet. But this is what I'm saying about making sure that the projection of your diets is helping you. Another example is when I first started losing weight, I did something called the potato reset. And I basically ate potato, sweet potato and non-starchy vegetables for 30 days straight. I didn't have any overt fats. So overt fats are things that are predominantly fats like oils or nuts or seeds, like cashew cream, anything like that. I didn't have that for a month and I didn't have any processed vegan food and I didn't have any fruit. And what this did, like I don't do this now, right? I'm not doing the potato reset long term, but the habits that I formed over that time, number one, I was able to reset my taste buds. So I was able to now enjoy the taste of simpler, plainer food. I added more non-starchy vegetables into my diet. The lowest calorie, highest nutrient food on the planet. Guys, like the pinnacle of weight loss, things like broccoli and kale and capsicum and tomatoes and Brussels sprouts and courgette, all of those high water vegetables. I added a ton more into my diet. I did when I didn't have fruit for the month when I did have it again it was so good to me it was so sweet it was so delicious so that is an example of something that is moving you in the right direction because all of those habits that I implemented over that time even though I don't completely eat that way now I have taken those habits with me forward and they have helped me to continue to lose weight and to maintain a lean physique year round. So you got to start focusing on what are the systems, what are the habits I need to maintain that to achieve and maintain this long term. And I wanted to just talk about three practical ways to and action steps of what to focus on, what habits that you should be trying to implement so that you will see results and these are action steps so these are the do's not the don'ts I'm not going to get into the don'ts today these are the three do's okay the three do do's 
All right, number one, and I think this is the most important, and that is eat more non-starchy veggies. Okay, do you know what a non-starchy veg is? If you follow me on Instagram, you probably hear that a lot. I'm gonna break it down for you. Wicka, 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 okay, non-starchy vegetables. Think of anything that has got any veggie that is super high in water. Broccoli, kale, I mentioned them all before. Courgette, capsicum, tomato, cucumber, cabbage, lettuce. Um, what else? Cauliflower, beet, well, beetroot, I'm not actually 100% sure of. But most vegetables are non-starchy vegetables. The, f- the main ones that aren't non-starchy vegetables are potatoes and sweet potatoes. So pretty much all the other vegetables are. They are exceptionally low in calories. They are the lowest calorie foods on the planet. They come in at about 100 calories per pound. A pound is a lot, guys. That's a big, big head of broccoli. Sometimes two heads of broccoli. So that's at 100 calories, to put it in perspective, one tablespoon of oil weighs is more than 100 calories. So you think one tablespoon of food is equal to one pound of food in terms of calories, from the highest calorie food to the lowest. And this is why you should be adding a lot more non-starchy vegetables into your diet, because you are able to get full... Because they are filling, they take up room in your stomach, they've got that high water content. All of these things are very important for making you feel full. And fullness is the biggest influencer of shutting off your hunger drive. The other thing is that people tend to eat a fairly consistent volume of food. So if you are used to eating, let's say, 10 cups of food in a day, chances are you're going to be eating 10 cups of food the next day and the next day and the next day. People seem to be, (laughs) this is so funny because people can quite easily increase their portion sizes without noticing, but they don't decrease them long term. And traditional diets will tell you to A, exercise more and B, control your portion sizes. Scientifically, that doesn't work long term, right? Because you need enough food in your gut to actually turn off your hunger fill out those stretch receptors in your stomach. And then in terms of behavioral patterns of people, we don't do that. We eat consistently. All right. So eating more non-starchy vegetables, I say, and I got this from Chef AJ. I can't claim this at all. Um, follow on her on Instagram. She's got some good YouTube videos as well if you, if you search Chef AJ. But she recommends about one kilo of non-starchy vegetables a day. And adding this into my diet was a game changer for me. I, it's really the biggest difference between all my weight loss efforts in the past that failed, that I yo-yoed off for years... And the only thing that I've been able to sustain, and by far the easiest and most enjoyable thing, and that is that now I eat more non-starchy vegetables than I ever have in my life. Like, I would literally eat a kilo of vegetables a day. And this is something, a number that you can work up to if you're not used to having a lot of fiber in your diet 
then it's something to do relatively slowly. But if you're finding that hard, if you're finding it hard to add a kilo of vegetables, you can start by just on your plates at least when you're eating your lunch and your dinner, try and have half of your plate non-starchy vegetables. All right, because if you think, all right, people eat this consistent volume, the more non-starchy vegetables you eat, the more you're actually diluting your overall calories of everything else because you're pushing out the other food. It's like a pie chart, right? The more that these non-starchy vegetables take up in the pie chart, the less the other food can, the less the other calorie foods can. And because this is so um, mainly made up of water, it's... It's not going to add many calories, but it does It does um, add a lot of bulk. It does add a lot of volume. And so that's why you can eat more food now and actually get into a quite a considerable calorie deficit by utilizing non-starchy vegetables. So that's number one. Eat your grains, girl. Okay, number two. That is create a consistent breakfast routine. All right, when I'm not working... I eat porridge or you want to call it oatmeal with um, normally whole grain oats every single day. And I find it funny because I know people are going to be like, well, what if I one day want to have like a tofu scramble? Okay, fine. Like if (laughs) you're going to have your tofu scramble, fine, do that. You do you. But what has helped me so much is that consistency with knowing that I'm having a meal that is going to set me up right. It's the first meal of the day. It is exceptionally um, healthy, number one, good for me. It is relatively low in calories. Oats are, are, are a relatively low calorie food they average about 300 calories per pound which is yeah it's it's uh actually no i think it's 400 it's between 300 and 400 calories per pound that's cooked weight so um it's and so it will fill you up if you cook it with water as well rather than like a plant milk then you're not adding extra calories what i like to do is add soy milk after i've cooked my oatmeal and so I have that with fruit on it. I have it with a little bit of flaxseed, about a tablespoon or two of flaxseed. I have soy milk. I just vary the fruit, um, whatever the season is. Sometimes I'll use frozen. It never gets boring. I love it. And having yeah, having that consistency and setting me up in the day, something that keeps me full for hours and that I enjoy is so, so key because... That consistency is going to be the difference between success and failure long term. When I'm not at home, the night before, I will make overnight oats or I will make something that I can cook in the microwave to become oatmeal or become porridge. So oats and fruit or oats and um, some soy milk or whatever I'm feeling for that day. But it's that consistency there again and being prepared for the next day when I'm eating my lunch, I mean my breakfast at work at eight o'clock when I'm sitting there and that's something that I've done the night before. It's that consistent routine. And yeah, so much of, of weight loss really is about that consistency and just creating those habits that become second nature to you. All right, so the third one is be prepared and it reminds me of the lion king where scar's like 
singing that song, say, be prepared. Anyway, so that means getting really comfortable with a little bit of organization and the kind of unsexy stuff that no one talks about, like taking food with you when you leave the house. Guys, it's a game changer. Just get into the habit of doing it. Whether that is grabbing a bunch of grapes from the fridge and putting that in a Tupperware container just to go, even if you're leaving for one hour. Because who knows, like when you're a mum, leaving the house for one hour is not a thing. Like it takes one hour to leave, right? So when you're out, chances are you're going to be staying out longer than an hour So take some food with you, take some food for your kids and take something healthy, low calorie or something that you can munch on that is going to keep you on plan. I always grab fruit, I will grab leftover like roasted pumpkin or roasted potato, um, things like that that I can just grab and go and when I'm thinking okay I'm going to be out for the whole day. I will cook up sweet potato and I will bring that too. All right. One other thing that you can do to be prepared is when you're cooking your dinner, cook a little bit extra and put it in a container for your lunch. That way you know, okay, I've got my lunch sorted. I don't have to gnaw at my kids' peanut butter sandwich crusts, which A, gross. Come on. If... My friend, she does this. She's like, the thing that I find hardest is that I don't want to waste food. So I end up eating like my kids' leftovers. (laughs) I think it's funny. It's like, imagine how much you would pay if right now you could buy like lean version you, right? I mean, I'm sure all of us would find a way to make like 10 grand. If it was that easy, we'd do it. But then we don't want to save, like we don't want to, waste a couple of crusts of food right just waste the food like check out the old stale crusts eat your lunch and stay on plan all right um the other thing that you can do to be prepared so this number three is kind of like a list of things um and that is have a healthier kind of occasional food so not like a perfect non-starchy vegetable like ultimate weight loss food but a healthier treat type food that you can take to social events so that you don't feel deprived or guilty and you can have that and it's going to be much much better than anything else that's there like my goodness if I see like a vegan Ben and Jerry's I I struggle to say no to that and they can be the calories are one of those little things like that's like nearly a day's worth of calories I think it's like a thousand calories like for most women You'd think ballpark between 1,600 and 1,800 just to be in a deficit, right? That's nearly all your calories in one tub. I could eat that thing in 10 minutes if you let me at it. So bring your little healthier treats with you. Munch on them. Don't feel deprived. Be prepared. Okay, and the other thing that I think is so important about understanding why focusing on the action steps, focusing on the things that you can achieve and that you can implement now that are going to set you up for long-term success rather than focusing on the goal is that successful people have measurable goals. So rather than saying like, hey, I want to lose 40 pounds, you got to look at what will get you there 
and making those things your action goals. For example, instead of like, okay, I am going to fit into a size eight jeans. What about I'm going to eat 500 grams of vegetables or I'm going to eat two heads of broccoli every day or for five days out of this week, right? You're not even telling yourself I'm going to do it for seven days. If you said, I'm going to eat two heads of broccoli five days a week for a month, that is an example of an actionable, measurable goal. And the thing about doing this is that these are the steps that get you to your goal. These are going to get you the results. Okay, so but having them measurable and having them achievable means that it gives you the power. You got the power, right? Because who knows how demotivating it is when you feel like you're failing constantly. Like you have this goal to lose a pound in a week. And let's say you're about to get your period like the day before weigh in and then you actually weigh more. Then you feel like you failed. But if you make goals that you can achieve and that you know are going to get you there long term then you you don't fail at that right even if you do even if you only do four days of a week even if you only do three days of that week you're still moving forward you're still better than you were a month ago if you didn't do that a month ago and this is the power of focusing on the habits rather than the results um, another goal that you could have is another action and step. This is just examples of things that I've done. And this one I'm trying to implement at the moment. And, and that is that I'm going to brush my teeth at like 6.45 when I brush my kids' teeth. And I'm doing, doing that to try and help cut my late night eating. Because, I mean, according to the science, it isn't. We do burn less calories that are eaten after 7 p.m. That's some real interesting stuff. I'm going to do that in another podcast. Um, if you haven't seen, check out nutritionfacts.org. And Michael Greger does a video about this, circadian rhythms. Right, but that's a measurable goal that I could do. That I'm going to brush my teeth at 6.45 for a week. Okay? All right. If you don't know... The action steps that are going to get you to that goal, you need to find out what they are. Because this is like things that I've talked about here is focusing on the action steps that are going to get you to your goal. If you don't know what they are, you need to know what they are. Because that is going to give you patience in your journey. If you know that these will get you there, if you understand why, if this is scientifically shown to work, if it has the the weight of scientific evidence, if it makes sense, if it's not magical unicorn dust like drink celery juice and go in ketosis, which is just, it's absolute BS and it's not backed by science, right? Not that eating celery juice is bad for you, but there's got to be a reason for doing what you're doing. There's got to be a measurable reason for understanding why it works. You need to understand that. So if you don't know, Hire someone that's going to teach you or read some books. The books that I would recommend starting with is How Not to Diet by Michael Greger. Fantastic resource. Okay? Watch some YouTube videos. Start learning from people that, that know. Read some scientific papers. Educate yourself. 
do everything in your power to start understanding what those steps are and then getting some accountability to implement them, getting someone to help you implement them. And that doesn't have to be a health coach. That could be like your best friend. That could be your husband. Like there is something so powerful about getting your spouse on board with what you want to achieve and getting them on your team. So switching this mindset from pain and results and that anxiety of just feeling it so deeply and wanting to see that result quickly and instead focusing on the actions, the steps and the measurable lifestyle changes that you need to get there and to stay there. And if you do this, you will see long-term weight loss. If you do this and you understand how it works, you start implementing these habits, then you will be able to maintain it for life. And that's the goal. I hope you you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have not heard too many motorbike noises or kids screaming. I won't know until I listen back. If you liked it, I would so appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Like I can't even, I think it's Apple Podcasts. Like this is how much of a noob I am, okay? And yeah, like tag me on IG if you liked it. All the things that people say at the end of podcasts. I just like hearing from you guys. Like it's what makes all of this doable for me. The fact that I'm like sitting here boiling hot in a bra and underwear trying to create something of value and it's I love connecting with you guys so reach out to me DM me and I will talk to you soon go make some goals go smash them love ya